There is a fifth dimension. A dimension of sound. Damn it, Frank! We tell him to be quiet. I spill my hot cup of Uranus again. A dimension of sight. Hey, Arch. I'm gonna sock you in the puss. A dimension of mind. Nan Adams, is that you? Ah! Ah! Next stop, the Twilight Zone. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Fifth Dimension of Twilight Zone podcast. I am, of course, your host, Nick, and we're back to talk Rod Sterling's favorite podcast. Uh, even though he's no longer with us, he would still love us and then yell at us. And they're probably writing an episode about how we uh, have degraded his po- uh, his series. So, yeah, good times. Four people um, in search of a podcast? Yeah, actually, we're going to change it to five <laughs> or uh, four people in search of an, uh, a podcast. Thank you, Trev. You've come up with a good title. I try. I always knew I had you for a reason on this podcast. That's it? Um, that's it. Yeah, that's the only reason. Oh. Just come up with that one title. <laughs> you are now officially done. You will not get Your paid. Your purpose has been served. My porpoise yeah. has been served? Your porpoise oh, has shit, been the served. Oh, shit, the dino... The, 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 are the dolphins coming sit... after me? Peter, the horse. Right. <sighs> Damn it. You will now sit in a circular bin waiting for the rest of your life in the Twilight Zone. I mean, that's um, kind of where I reside anyway, so, you know. Right, <laughs> right. So, anyways, with that said, uh, we're here uh, talking a new episode, probably one of the better, more classic episodes of the Twilight Zone. Before we begin, of course, we're on audio feeds, Anchor, SoundCloud. As Jacob wants me to say every week, audio boom. Audio he loves boom. the boom. <laughs> he loves the kaboom of audio booms. Uh, rate, subscribe, <laughs> all that good stuff. Uh, Triv, Jacob, uh, I'm sure you guys are good, but we have a special guest back. Yay! Someone we've been trying to get back for a while. Um, you know, it's exciting because we finally have someone who can put Jacob in his place for once, keep the podcast on, on off the ra- be going off the rails and stuff. That was, I mean, uh, as he should be. So. Needed. <laughs> <laughs> Very unnecessary there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could just have nah. me on every week. I mean, yeah, that'd be awesome. Absolutely. Uh, but of course, Alex, who's been on several times now, is back. Uh, how you doing, Alex? How you been? We haven't talked to you for a while. That. How's everything going? I'm good. I'm tired, but yeah. Are you? I'm good. <laughs> Excellent. This is but a very big microphone. Tired. It's just, it's zoomed in. <laughs> it's just how the angle. I'm using my desktop, man. I don't know what else I can do. <laughs> it's literally on like a microphone stand on my desk. It's nothing else I can do about it, man. <laughs> Jacob, I mean, is the microphone you know really microphone. big, or are you just really small? It's a ginormous microphone. Uh, I don't know. It looks ginormous. It looks like it's like this big. It's like I feel like this is. <laughs> <laughs> Conscious about my microphone. Listen, hey, it does its job. Hey, you have a shirt, so you have a quality microphone. So you know what? Be proud yeah. of your big microphone, Alex. Don't let you know if he's saying that he's just jealous. You know, because of, of his tiny microphone. microphone. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you got yeah. it. Flaunt it. Yeah, there right go. there. You go. I will. Um, small microphone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it fell. Come on up, buddy. Oh, <laughs> uh, we've already failed, Alex. It's nice knowing you. I'm leaving. You guys take over. <laughs> As you can talk about poles and microphones and everything, uh, but characters in search of an exit. I'm gonna search for an exit right now. Click. Uh no, anyways. Uh so this is an episode we've been talking about for a while. We've joked about this episode for quite a while. It's real I was actually glad you were able to come on, Alex, because this is an episode that 
I know you have mentioned many times that I believe you really enjoy, uh, but uh, Jacob has uh, alluded to is this a trash can episode. So we've kind of, uh, I don't know why, but kind of taken off that moniker of the calling this a trash can episode, which I can only imagine when you were on and maybe listened to us talk about that kind of were steaming at the ears because it was like, this is not the trash can episode. Uh, and I know Trev is trying to trying to be good in your stead of trying to make us not say that, but I don't know. Fifth Dimension He's apparently is classified this as a trash can episode. Yeah, but I, I say it just. I don't mean it. Do you, though? Do you? Maybe. I mean, Except for Trans of Dream notice- wasn't a good episode, so I do question his judgment in general. <laughs> that, that's and his critiquing skills. I stated so. facts there. Facts, Did you notice? And No, facts are in the behind-the-scenes Twilight Zone books, Jacob. What are not facts are you saying that certain episodes are trash? <laughs> just behind from your side- own personal eyes and ears. That's I feel different. as if that book says that that episode is trash. Which one, though? For Chase to Dream. Well, it depends on, <laughs> depends on the... It's subjective. Opinions are subjective. Not this one. This one is fact. <laughs> uh... See, this is, this is always a point of contention with our podcast. Jacob's like, man, if I had only been on like one episode prior, this whole podcast would have been completely different. It's like a... Twilight Zone of its own right. You it would have like been completely the different. Just that, web, just that episode. <laughs> well, you know, it's Butterfly Effect. A... You change small things and big things change. We would end up like in a different arrangement and like Jeff wouldn't exist or something like that. Jeff. I know. He wouldn't be blinking. He'd be blinking upwards instead of downwards, you know. Exactly. I, I don't know. what. Um, anyways. Nick didn't ask how we were doing. He you only know what? I did. Has, I did because priority. I know how you guys are doing. Do you? Because... Do you? I don't know. I I, I don't know anymore. You I don't care. know. Like I said, where's the where's the search for an exit? I'm looking for it still. I'm banging it up against the wall. I found a clown <laughs> and a hobo. That's a, that's a tramp. Thank you very much. Right, tramp. So I'm guessing the 50s and the 60s called hobos tramps, like, or is that a Charlie Chaplin thing? No, they called them hobos. Did they? So what? So why the why did they call him a tramp in this episode? Like, what what is the meaning between the tramp and hobo? Anybody they know? called him a hobo in this episode. Like they they called him a tramp at the very beginning. It was the major ballerina tramp, uh, guy in skirt and uh, cl- in skirt. uh the bagpiper. Yeah, bagpiper. Yeah, and the- actually, the in fact, the opening says clown, hobo, ballet dancer, bagpiper, and an army major. Well, aren't you special on a stick? They say they call him a tramp <laughs> at one point. Well, I always want to know why they called him tramps to begin with. Like, tramp is, that, is that a Charlie Chaplin thing? Anybody know? Maybe. I imagine I mean, that they... was Lady and the Tramp. So yeah. I'm assuming mm-hmm. that term was used. Like for a ruffian a almost. I would imagine maybe it's maybe, like yeah. how there's multiple names for multiple things. Because the Tramp, like, I don't think Charlie Chaplin would have coined that term. He probably, like, like it was probably existing vernacular. Oh, that's me here, out here's my big words. words. Vernacular. Vernacular. Here, here's the definition. It's like, because titty, they were trampy around the country. Smile when you say it. Vernacular. <laughs> according, <laughs> according to hobos, were sometimes called tramps because they were trampling across the uh, countryside. Ah. However, this is not to be confused with later uses of the word tramp in comparison to hobos. The tramp. <laughs> okay, so I, that's, that, that's the uses of the ones I know. But they're tramps. Uh, uh, they 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 don't. They're they're dirty. They used I to know be a few tramps. Oh, apparently, Jacob. Clean. <laughs> Steal my jokes, Jacob. Steal my terrible jokes. <laughs> Damn you. Uh, no, uh, I was just curious because, like I said, uh, Charlie Chaplin is always called the tramp, but he always looks like a hobo. So it's just like, 
I was kind of curious if anybody knew what that meant, but either way, uh, he's called a tramp and a hobo in this episode. So I don't know if that's offensive or not or whatnot. So with that said, uh, we are going to talk about one of the most famous episodes of the Twilight Zone. Uh, this, of course, is season three, episode 14, called Five Characters in Search of an Exit, directed by Lamont Johnson, written by Rod Serling, uh, based off a story by Marvin Patel, named The Depository. Uh, production code 4805, air date December 22nd, 1961, so right before Christmas, and stars William Wyndon, Wyndham, Murray Matheson, Susan Harrison, uh, Kelton Garwood, and Clark Allen. Okay, so this episode is, um, like I said, up there with one of the most famous episodes. I think it's more on the kind of twist ending that it has more than anything. But Alex, since you're our guest host on this episode, you came on. I'm assuming you like this episode, but what, like going into this episode, um, have you seen this episode quite a bit? And what's your overall take on this episode? I have seen this episode a few times, not super recently. Um, I wasn't able to watch it before appearing on the podcast. So I'm going over recollection. So bear with okay. me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would say, I think what's, I guess from when I recall like watching it, I think a lot, I mean, honestly, I think it's one of those episodes that's real that like you won't be able to watch for the very first time ever again mm -hmm. like it's kind of yeah. one of those episodes where i think like it's really en enthralling like the first time you watch it because you know you see kind of that handful of essentially just sort of like characters caricatures um and you're you know you're just as curious about what they're doing there or like what the purpose of the episode is the entire time because you aren't exactly sure and i think especially for it being you know kind of in season it, it was season we're in season three, three right Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think because we're like smack dab in the middle of the Twilight Zone, and for those who've kept up with the series, I think it's even more. There's a lot more, I guess, sort of curiosity and speculation over, or even like theorizing, I would say, towards like where the episode could go because we've seen an infinite amount of possibilities up to this point. But I'd say that's kind of what, you know, I think that big hook of kind of having that giant cylinder with the characters kind of sort of stuck there and wondering what like what in the heck they're even are doing there I think is something that definitely pulled me in at first and then when it kept going um until the twist I just kind of my mouth opened a bit like whoa like that was <laughs> that was really good kind of thing and I was like I want to yeah. put a note by that one to talk about it later sort of thing, so. um I mean it's the same thing with you guys like um Jacob I know you always go that you don't remember these episodes very well but do you remember this episode at all I do. Like, I do? did. I kind of figured shit. you would. This is this <laughs> is one of those episodes like most people would remember. I just had to double check. I had to be safe. I remember the this tra trash can episode. <laughs> Shut up. I'm not for, just for that. I'm not adding in the boom. <laughs> kaboom. Oh man! <laughs> My silent explosion. <laughs> a, I was gonna say it seems like it because it was behind you and almost even like an explosive fart or something. Absolutely. <laughs> Versus like an explosion. Silent cool. <laughs> oh man, she she's giving me ideas now. Not an explosion. <laughs> it's gonna be like it's gonna be like the explosion from Last Jedi. It's just gonna come up like out of like um but no, but yeah, I mean like Jacob said, I know Trev, you've seen this episode many times too. So oh, yeah. I'm assuming you rec remember this episode and it's oh, kind yeah. of willings and dealings. Even if you um, don't know the, like, I feel like it's kind of like to serve man um, or time enough at last. Like, even if you don't know the name of the episode, 
it's been parodied and talked about enough where you see it and you kind of know it like it's not quite as 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 big as like time enough at last but i i do still think it's one of those where you have there's enough talking about it in pop culture where you're gonna know it or at least be yeah familiar with yeah it. yeah yeah and that's um kind of where i'm at i don't like i don't remember like beat for beat until i watch it tonight of this episode because it has like like you guys it's been a while but i remember the dynamics of the characters and how uniquely interesting they are um you know it opened basically the episode to get into it, the op- episode opens up with the army major played by william uh windham who wakes up kind of despondent he doesn't know where he's at he's confused and i'm pretty sure any one of us um you guys can attest to this or talk on this would be scared shitless if you walk up and wake up in a room and there's no windows or walls there's only an opening at the top and you you literally like he says you feel like you're in hell um so i don't know how you guys would feel like that waking up that that, that's the most interesting is like it literally is one character at first who wakes up and has no idea what he's doing so i don't know how you guys feel about that kind of that idea i mean i don't want to talk about the last time i woke up in a ballet outfit but you know that oh, I figured you me. woke up in the clown outfit or something like that. You know, that, I mean that too. But I, British but I knew, clown. But I knew why. You know, <laughs> I fell asleep in the clown outfit. Outfit, and I woke up in the ballerina outfit. Well, as long as you don't wake up in also, that I'm troll a outfit. No. <laughs> but th- this begs the question: They're in this stark white. Yeah, I guess white. I don't know. It's black and white. But uh, this bright room, more or less bright. Pretty much, you can see every angle. There's no corners. Nowhere to hide. And he doesn't see any of these other people. They were in shadows. I guess. I mean, he's, They're all Batman. He's staring at a wall. And can he's we also talk about how this guy straight up looks like budget William H. Macy? Like when he came on, <laughs> I was does. like, it's fucking mystery men. <laughs> it's budget <laughs> William H. Macy. I mean, he does start with uh, uh, Angel Lansbury, Murder, She Wrote. So. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I, one I, other, I, I don't one know other... if that has... No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, one other kind of fun point with this this episode, and you know, like there are a lot of these Twilight Zone episodes inspire other things. This actually inspired the Cube. You can totally like see the it the movie, like cube. The, the movie. The cube. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. that well, consider yourself schooled or something. Yeah. Only they weren't in a they weren't in a charity container. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm sorry. I was just gunning you guys talk. I have no idea what happened in like the past two minutes. <laughs> That's okay. Dude, this is this is what our podcast is reverted to. Nobody has any idea what we're talking about anymore. We just kind of go with the flow and hope for the best. Um, I wish I could just no. recap it, but I can't. <laughs> Well, no, no, but like, yeah, th- that's why I kind of like go through the plot because I, you know, sometimes that happens where, you know, somebody, some, somebody yeah. forgets or doesn't forget, but they uh, don't have a chance to watch the episode. But no, basically, the major wakes up and he doesn't know where he's at and he runs into a clown who's this British thespian of an individual who I actually think is amazingly done by uh, Murray Matheson. He just like, yeah, I don't know the best way to explain it, but he has this like aura of like very sad clown very happy clown kind of switches back and forth but the the idea basically is the clown is kind of like you know the guy who gave up and just kind of sits there and acts like the joker but also is so sad that he just like doesn't know what to do with his life anymore and you know then the the rest of the characters come in they're all coming in by the bagpipers uh, uh bagpipes and they just kind of you know start talking about where they are and why they are and existence and who what why where when 
like nobody has any idea what they're doing, but they've kind of given up on trying to figure it out. Yeah, that that's basically the kind of the opening premise of, you know, the ballerina is this very, you know, posh kind of uh she's posh and you put your hands right in front of your chest. Is that posh? I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying to come up with the best word, but she's she's elegant. Um, she's got that like all of them kind of embody like the classic tropes of their characters. You know, the the major is very much like out front like where are we? Let let's do this and that. He's trying to be a problem solver. The the clown is very sassy and you know making mm-hmm. people laugh while still dealing with all his stuff. The tramp doesn't really say much. You know, bagpipe. Yeah, he just he didn't have to. Yeah, he, see, yeah, we, he just we, needs a fire. Pretty easy. Trash can. We got William you can H Macy. Nickname him. I mean, you can always nickname him like. Oh, I got the, I got you something. covered. We got William oh. H Macy. We got John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> we got Black Swan. <laughs> Hobo with a shotgun and William Wallace. Cast of characters done. I didn't realize. I, I like to name the. I was just saying we should like nickname the homeless guy Jeremy <laughs> to give him an identity. I mean, I guess we could do Jeremy, but <laughs> Hobo with a shotgun. Which would you rather be called? I mean, Jeremy is more concise. <laughs> if you have to say Hobo the with a shotgun every one. single time, <laughs> my identity is better. Percival Smithers. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's a hobo because his front name was Percival. <laughs> he hated it so much that he became a hobo. So now his name is just Hobo. <laughs> so is, is that why he's in the he's in the bin because he didn't get his Christmas present? So he's trying to give somebody exactly. else a Christmas present. He got dunked in the trash. Alex, for reference, this goes back to um, what is the Christmas episode? Oh, uh, it's uh, Night of the Meek. Night of Basically, the there's a young kid named Percival Smithers. And uh, it's like a whole, been like a whole running Smithers. joke. Yeah. <laughs> and he wishes for Christmas, like what he wants from Santa is a new front, front name. name? Front yeah. Name. Want a new front name? What, what's your name? Percival Smithers. Anyways. Um, so, yeah. So <laughs> basically before Rod started speaking and letting Jacob uh, speak the lines, they just like um, they wake up in the darkness. They have no idea where they're at. You know, it's basically one of those things where like, it almost feels like they uh, have kind of just put been put there for whatever reason. They, you know, been drugged or they just kind of made it into existence, you know, like being born or whatnot. And uh, yeah, it's um, it's pretty crazy um, to think about being stuck in a place that you have no idea where you're at. No walls, like you said, like cube, no way of escaping and just the sad nature and horrifying nature. And uh, I, I don't know if you agree or not, Alex, the perfect type of Twilight Zone episode that fits into this realm of rod sterling because they talk they actually talk about things that rod sterling has done stories about like they talk about like whether they're in a spaceship or they're in another planet or they're dead or they go on and on and on i'm like i i was telling trim i'm like this is awfully familiar to rod sterling just basically venting on the stories that he's done before in a very interesting kind of each character feels like a trope that's been in a twilight zone episode before so I don't know if you if that how you feel about that kind of stuff when you know going into that kind of tropey stuff that Rod Sterling's talked about before. I do think it's quite distinct with how much of like caricatures they are, which is definitely I guess foreshadowing towards the end for sure. I I'd say like more of the upper other episodes can tend mm-hmm. to be just kind of typical people placed in like extraordinary situations, but in here it's it it's almost seems like i don't know just kind of a different sort of 
dynamic between kind of the characters and the story they're in sort of thing in comparison if that makes sense oh yeah 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 it's um it almost feels like yeah that rod sterling was kind of using tropes that he's um using as like a, like a little bit of fourth wall breaking a little bit kind of having these characters kind of you know be his surrogate for like things he's talked about before which he does that a lot in a lot of his stories that he writes for the series where it goes into details about like his thoughts and ideas and his fears of like society. And it kind of feels like that here where, you know, you're stuck in a place that you can't get out of. And what does that do to someone's psyche and, you know, being stuck like, you know, overseas, you can't be near your family. You can't do all this. So like the different characters represent kind of sad, um, sad lives of individuals that are kind of lonely. So they get put into this predicament where they, uh, throw out those fears i don't know that's how i looked at it, but you guys have any things on that you could see it as being in a bad situation too like you know your rage against uh everything you know shout into the void and all that stuff and ultimately you're just stuck with a bagpiper and a sassy clown and you know a ballerina yep <laughs> oh man no i, I mean an, yeah a that... neat eclectic collection of characters um i, I mean they needed to have like this very interesting uh, roster of characters so that you're not you're they want you thinking about you know where are they what is going on and all this and that but they can't like given what we know about the ending they can't put you know like you know a space ranger and you know stuff like that to, to allude to that ending so they need you to just i think they needed interesting enough type of characters just by looking at them they're very stereotypical of like what their characters are they are their names essentially a bagpiper army major army man hobo dancer clown all that um so they wanted characters i think that you could just instantly look at and let know i know what that is that's a clown as a homeless guy as a you know so then you could start focusing on what is this what's going on here and it didn't really go and which makes sense by the time you get to the end it didn't really go much into like their distinct personalities beyond you know the army guy is going to be very like steadfast and all that and the clown's going to be kind of like dismissive and <laughs> and uh the hobo's just like oh, fuck i don't know and you know so <laughs> i think that you know that's i'm going to say that that's probably why they picked those those uh characters or art character types maybe yeah, well it's I mean, kind it, of like oh sorry no i mean yeah it's just it's just interesting to me like you know, they could he could have picked like any number of characters, and I, I I don't know. That's kind of where I was like, what I was trying to say was, it feels like there he's using kind of the the loneliness of each of these characters. You know, the clown is sad. He you know, as most comedians and people Probably that work inside. in the business of yeah, uh, like you know, I I heard a story about how you know um, Jim Carrey was so depressed that he almost killed himself, but he's like a really funny guy. It's like here, it's like this clown embodies like everything that a humorous person can inhabit. It's the same thing with the major. He like, he inhabits everything about the strong will trying to find every possible uh, exit. You know, the ballet dancer is kind of like the, the free spirit, the hobo is just kind of there watching as normal people do. And the bagpiper just, you know, I don't know, playing music and doing what he does, but I don't know. That's just how I look at it. Like I, I was kind of when I was watching it, but everybody, you know, it could have different interpretations. So I, I would say I would say also just the fact that it's you know there's there's a not a ton but there's enough episodes that are kind of like set in one location so you know if it's nervous man in a four dollar room or the invaders or things like that like it's a very 
limit like they limit themselves and sometimes it works really awesomely and sometimes it's you know works not as well and it's always that question of you know how is this limit gonna are they gonna rise above because of it or is it gonna you know tank them personally i love those like single setting stories in twilight zone and otherwise i mean like something like this uh, doctor who did an episode uh about what did we read it? The oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should have been on last week. That would have been perfect. No, we haven't gotten there yet. Um, okay. Still, We're front-loading. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, at first I was yeah, like, I, oh, uh... wait, wait. <laughs> no, no, no. Because yeah. ironically, we did Rod at the end. <laughs> right. Hey, hey, don't spoil anything. I, you know, I don't. Um, no, but no, in all honesty, there's like, I don't know, there's probably like six minutes before he starts talking. So I, they bring up like a lot of like... Um, What's that word called when they get into the psyche? There's a specific word for it. And I can't remember. Psychology? Too tired. No, mm-hmm. not psychology. No. It's not the right word. Uh, tacos? I, I, yeah, no, you're good. Uh, tacos? Yes. Did you say tacos? Yeah. I just said tacos. Yes. Burrito. Trip just won the burrito. The, <laughs> <laughs> um, taco, 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 burrito. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, actually let me ask you this alex so i can keep us back on track uh, okay <laughs> let me let me ask you this like what how do you feel about those one room setting episodes like the what we were just talking about like do you like those episodes like how do you because these these types of episodes especially like this one make me nervous because being stuck in a place that i can't escape from is like the most terrifying thing outside of being stuck outside of a building and falling and stuff like that and i i'm curious to like how you feel about these types of episodes like are they your favorites like do you have ones that specifically you enjoy more that you gravitate towards i mean i'd say they could be a lot of fun i think definitely if they were like up to an hour versus closer to 30 minutes i think that'd be a stretch especially with like kind of in this sort of i guess environment where there really isn't much to work with aside from just kind of the walls and then sort of the lighting like the like upper lit lighting i would say mm-hmm. um i don't know i think it just depends on kind of the environment that you set the actors in because there's a lot of it sort of reminded me of like when i watched the outer limits about how there are certain episodes where an episode like the second chance for example is about this like alien who essentially goes to this theme park and basically like coordinated this entire plan this is a random tangent but like <laughs> this alien coordinated an entire plan basically to like abduct abduct a group of alien a group of people from a theme park and like actually made like this rocket ship attraction like an actual like rock or i guess it was like an actual rocket ship i don't know if this alien either like worked on it to then have it be operational or if it already was you know essentially once they're in space that's kind of all the actors really have to work with and you kind of are just focused on sort of the characters about how you know all of them have these sort of I guess, sort of redemption arcs or sort of tensions between them kind of thing. But I think it just ultimately, but like all of it essentially does take place on the ship itself because they're, I mean, they're in space. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, it's not like they really had spacesuits to try to escape or anything. Like there are situations where I think characters are placed in those kind of scenarios. And I think it just depends on like how it's set up and how it's executed ultimately. But I think definitely having the pacing and having you know sort of the runtime kind of be advantages towards like how you tell the story definitely play a role for sure i think that's something this episode does 
a bit different than a lot of single setting ep- or, uh, stories is a lot of the time you have these single setting episode or stories that the setting it's almost like it forces them to have like a really good story if they're going to keep it interesting and typically really interesting engaging characters and uh like something like cube or uh that dr who episode i was talking about or even saw i mean that's like a drawn out version it goes outside of the walls a bit but um but this one the characters like we're talking about you don't i mean you know basically their stereotypes that go along with who they are but it's not so much about the characters for me at least it didn't seem like the characters were super engaging i mean they were engaging enough i guess but it was more about the debacle that they had going on is like as you know how are we going to figure this out and get out of here i don't think this would have worked as an hour-long episode I would say the writing really did like make or break it though. Because yeah. otherwise I think if the writing didn't work to where we didn't get to know the characters or even sort of the elements that were foreshadowed as to like why they even were there, sort of how they are, who they are kind of thing, I think it, it wouldn't have worked either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this mm-hmm. this uh, episode feels really much like, a, like if you were to watch a play on stage, like you have to have actors who can sell a singular set with the kind of tropes that they have to deal with because if you if you put like people that are not what i would consider stage thespians which a lot of these guys feel like uh stage steps stage thespians especially the guy who plays a clown i don't think this episode would have worked as well because it would have felt a little cheesy and a little uh tropey and it would have felt not right like the guy who plays a clown feels like you know that he could have taken this character and done like a one-man stage play and it would have been riveting but here, you know, if they had, you know, brought in somebody, I don't know, anybody that couldn't, you know, produce when it comes to, you know, acting uh, in this kind of small template, I think it wouldn't have worked. But that's just kind of how I. But look John at Wayne it. as the clown wouldn't have worked. Yeah, John. Yeah, that would have been. <laughs> Howdy, partner. Ha, ha, ha. I'm have, a clown. Um, have. I don't know, Impeccable acting! Wow, that was... <laughs> thank you, thank you. I, I'm speechless. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> oh, just this just is just like my audition. We, uh... <laughs> they like me. They really like me. <laughs> Call them your Not face, Sally. Validation Field. from the internet, though. <laughs> That's all my validations from the internet. Shit. <laughs> um. All right. So with that said, uh, Jacob. Let's do the opening narration. Finally, 30 minutes into the episode. Yes, of course. Clown, hobo, ballet dancer, bag piper, and an army major. A collection of question marks. Five improbable entities stuck together into a pit of darkness. No logic, no reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk... Oh, unexplainable walk <laughs> hand in hand through the shadows. In a moment, we'll start collecting clues as to the whys, the whats, the wheres. We will not end the nightmare. We will only explain it because this is the trash can zone. <laughs> and actually, Jacob, it's the twilight zone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Did I didn't know what I said. Oh, I'm sorry. Must have flubbed my well, life. I don't know. You kind of stu- <laughs> you stuttered at hand and hand. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Nick, they're just like editing. <laughs> <laughs> Acting. See, it's all staying in now, Jacob. 
the guy you leave it in anyway every time i screw up a line he leaves it in there <laughs> i don't leave you it all in you would rehearse you these before the jacob huh you i would think that you would rehearse these at least once you don't but, do like Shakespeare I mean, you've done this for how long jacob how long i'll start rehearsing the narrations i'll start rehearsing in season six <laughs> Alex, I hate to admit, like I, I guess those eleven episodes Jacob wasn't on really screwed him up, and now he's we're paying for it with his uh, his quotes on you know Rod Sterling's Twilight Zone. I mean, we'll right? never that... know. We can only <laughs> perchance to dream what it would be like had I been there. Oh, good lord! Here we go. <laughs> We've jumped into the fever, falling out of two foot window. <laughs> so anyway, and I was on one of those uh, episodes. Episode eight. I, That's his claim to fame. He's like, yeah, I was on that one episode. It was the best one of season one. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Man. So with that said, um, this episode continues. <laughs> so the episode continues. <laughs> uh, the episode. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> this episode is going to be like three minutes long. and we just going right. to shake my head. Everybody. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Shit. The cashew. Cassowary. Um, Damn it. <laughs> so, anyways, back to what I was doing before I forgot what I was doing. Um, uh, basically, the most of the story continues with the, the whole thing of like the major is trying to find a way to escape. The clown thinks it's cute, you know, that he's trying to escape and kind of sits in the background moping and. You know, the Scotsman every once in a while will play music and the ballerina will dance. And that's um, so weird. I- I'm not going to lie. Like that combination is just like, oh, let's do a uh, peanut butter and fried eggs, which actually is a good combination. But still, it's like not not the first combination that you would put together. I do got some questions yeah. about some of these characters once we get to our ending reveal. Um, Sure, sure. But um... <laughs> it's about tossed salads and scrambled eggs. What? Oh. <laughs> that was just like the most random. Like I have something to say, but I'll say. It I got something to say. I do that you every just week. Just put a pin in it. It's it's compelling. I swear. Every oh, week. It's gonna be awesome. Just you wait. I got something to say, but we'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta wait for my moment. Not right now. Um. Uh, the uh, the kind of the interesting things brought up in this segment are like when they talk about their existential crisis of like, are they dead? Are they dream figures and someone else's existence and stuff like that? Then the, the major brings up, well, don't you guys eat? Don't you guys drink? Who brings it down? Is it, you know, the guy from Silence of the Lambs? You know, does he want to put lotion on the skin? Like, what, what is exactly lotion happening? On the skin. Wow. Right. That um, went dark. But, or gets the hose they, again. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, what do you guys think about this whole existential crisis that this group is having? Like, like the major is literally trying everything in his power and they're just like, whatever we'll have the ballerina dance with scottish music and the clown will sit with the the the, uh the pot of a flower on his head like yeah i'm sorry he's the only one i want jeremy to stick man we're 2023 we don't have we can evade using the only one who has any issue here is the major everybody else is just kind of resigned to their fate and they're there just like yeah we're here well where is here uh is here somewhere and he's the only one who's like let's get the fuck out of here and they're like eh, i'm gonna dance around i'm gonna play my bagpipes and jeremy's gonna jeremy 
<laughs> I think that's yeah. like an animalistic response, right? Like if you put like a pet, for example, in a crate because like, you know, you're going out to dinner with somebody or whatever, hypothetical scenario. But like, let's say, you know, a pet was in a crate wanting to escape. You know, I think it's only going to try to claw out so much before it just sort of surrenders itself, kind of knowing that there would possibly be a resolution at the end of it of like but being really strong with it. Well, and two, how, we don't, I mean, we don't get a time of how long the other four are there, but, you know, there's always that, oh, 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 we haven't tried this, you know, and then I'm going to break my sword, that subpar that wouldn't, you know, chop. Oh, yeah, I laughed. You know? Knowing that, like, as uh, Alex had mentioned earlier, knowing the ending, that actually makes it a lot more funnier, which is not meant to be funny, but it's like, knowing what you know about the ending of this episode, it's like, man if they only knew and which actually brings in a lot of questions about that i don't know maybe jacob was alluding to just on the nature of like how this world operates with what we see at the end so i i don't know it's gonna be weird it's gonna be interesting to talk about but i just like the fact that the sword breaks like it's made out of like i don't know plastic or something like that or it's made out of like you know whatever 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 thing it's made out of and i was expecting that I, when he broke it to be like it's Made out of plastic. <laughs> I, I don't know if it, well, well, I guess I it's up would have like, been. I don't know if, well, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, I don't know if stuff, well, and I don't know. It, it, I think, well, maybe not. I, I don't know if stuff would have been mass produced in plastic at that point as far as toys or if it would have been more. I guess uh, you had Barbies maybe it was and like stuff, a thin so... metal or something. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it was like a thin aluminum or something like that. Aluminum. There you oh, go. Oh, I mean, fancy. I was going to say, like, I think there's only certain familiar, I guess, materials or elements that, like, those characters would be familiar with. So it wouldn't be as unfamiliar. Like, if they think of it as a sword, they're probably going to assume it's just kind of like how a sword would be and not, yeah. I guess, think too deeply about it. Absolutely. A cigar is just a cigar. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It's just it's interesting to think about, like you know, what what is their logic and like this guy has a flower pot on the top of his head that they never kind of um, speak to. Hey, it's, hey, flower pots are freaking hilarious. It's like that little beanie that they got from that show Oz used to wear. It just never falls off. It's just kind of like there. <laughs> oh, like the Return to Oz or whatever it was. Wasn't that? Oh, the show Oz back in that? the day. On HBO. Oh, oh, uh, the prison the show with, with all the guy the... from Lost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the flower, the flower pot thing. Like, I actually, I get to ask you guys that question. Like, who was your favorite character in this episode? Kind of, the problem with this episode is not the fact that it's not good. It's just a lot of them talking, a lot of them talking about like their existential crisis or where they're at. You know, the the they're trying to escape. It, it that's kind of all it is of this episode. So there's not really like a lot of detail you can go into. So I'm just gonna say, like, what's your what's your guys' favorite character in this episode? I, mean, I was gonna um, say it's giving Twilight Zone, Nick. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of a good majority true. of characters in their defense. That is very no. True. I know. I'm just like when you get when you get into an episode like there there's like for instance the shelter or something like that. There's a lot of interesting things going on in that episode. Here it's just a lot of them discussing like you know how they got to this point when they got to this point you know the major like trying to escape from the this point and I, I don't know it just there's a lot of stuff that you know i wrote down a lot of it's like 
they tried to escape, but this was their universe, the reality. And but the one, the major wants nothing of it. And the clown points out it's too high. It's, you know, it's not like a, it's not like a lot. It's not like the passerby or, you know, the last week's episode, which is uh, once upon a time. You know, where it is a lot of sight gags and stuff like that. The biggest thing in here is the loud church bell noise that shakes the shakes the bin and you know, or the room that they're in. So, I mean, it's. Oh, how you guys? How you guys feel about a lot of this kind of being just about my them favorite talking. character? <laughs> he holds it close. <laughs> Anyways, uh, no, yeah, but back to what I was asking. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the clown just because, like, just that that sarcastic, sassy, but but very like for all of the for all the 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 sassy and cheekiness, he did have like. He was pointing out the very obvious, like the, the very much like, dude, we've tried this. We've tried this. We've tried that. Oh, hey, we tried this too. Everything you're saying is we've essentially tried, you know, and like he brings up logical points and, you know, he's kind of like the kind of the polar opposite of uh, the major, which I thought was pretty great. I was also going to say the clown, but I think it was more so because I like the banter between him and the major is... I think is what really ultimately like drives the episode further along. And then like, even though all five of them are in a way leading characters, I would say the major and clown are kind of the two ultimately leading ones. And then the other three are kind of more like in supporting roles. But in a way where like, they still kind of offer a purpose. Yeah. And uh, like I said, the characters are strong. It just, like I said, more care, more characters have more to do than other ones and the clown character i just feel like is giving his the the main actor is giving his all and it's not saying that the other ones aren't but it just it feels like there is a lot of depth to a character that is just basically a sad clown and i i kind of like that i kind of like what murray's doing i like the fact that he is kind of pointing out the ridiculousness of the situation but the fact that he's kind of given up on the situation and you know the other characters are just kind of background characters Maybe and to some Might extent, but I, I think you can't, you know, you've got to have multiple different kinds of personalities in there too. You know, the ballerina kind of inhabits that, that endless hope and that desire for love. Like they all have their, the two sides of the same coins, you know, it's, she's hopeful and everything, but yet she's so desperate. You know, she, you can see how much she wants love. I mean, in some of the things that she says, you know, the, the major is, you know, fighting against this, this terrible, you know, certainty of of not being able to do it you know like what is it um fighting against the dying of the light you know raging against the dying of the light you know the clown is has the very funny stuff but what he's saying is very straightforward and down to earth you know the the um jeremy doesn't say much but when he does it's a very truthful like straightforward bit and i mean you know the bagpiper uh just bagpipes he does he provides a soundtrack for what is essentially you know a a, sor- a story as old as time sorrowful but meaningful the song of his people mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i was ready to go to war after hearing that speaking of soundtracks i would say it's been like you know you got a friend in me <laughs> this did feel very much like a, a like a dark side version of uh of the toy story Don't, you're, you're spoiling things dark side of the dark side of the twilight zone yeah uh no i mean like like i said you know it, it, here, here's another question i have i guess then you know you you stick this in like a 2000 2000 i can't talk a 2023 version like 
who could you see like as the different characters like you know would you put in different characters instead of like you know jeremy the ballet dancer clown major would you put it like i don't know like uh, how would you structure a story like this in today's modern society compared to what trash can barbie you need to throw that Uh, idea into the trash like uh, uh, you have bumblebee you have barbie you have uh i don't know what's another popular toy but I feel like uh, it'd be way too obvious, though, if they went, like, the Toy Story route, right? Like, if they just had a mix of different, I guess, toys, well, I think what makes it work here is that they're all human. With Yeah, like, well, actually, that's that's a good point, actually. sort of archetypes, because if they kind of had, like, I don't know, like, like a life-size, like, teddy bear or something, where, like, interacting with the ballerina or something like a, you know, or if it was, like, um... I don't know, or if the toy soldier was like more of a toy soldier type, like yeah. Um, like if you think of like the ones that like the Disneyland parade, like when you look at them as like very like animated, that's what I'm like. I think if they were more animated and Mm. like non-real, like if they were non-human, I think that would just give it away a lot faster. Well, that's actually a good point. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say that's a good point that you bring up. Would this episode even work today? Like you, if you think about it, in the 1960s, they were playing with these types of figures where they're like, they were you know gigantic like human characters. So they had like GI Joes, and I, I think Barbie was around at this time. I think it came out in the 50s or something like that. Yeah. So would this episode work? Like some of the episodes in the Twilight Zone could work today, and like if you structured them like, you know, in better form or fashion. But I, I don't know. That's an interesting thing that you brought up about using like Transformers or. You know, I may use G.I. Joe, but like today, would it work? Would it work yeah, in the same fashion? Yeah, they could have had a teddy bear in there, but and from their perspective, it was just a fucking bear. And it would have been like cocaine bear. It would have been chasing them around this thing in the bottom. <laughs> that would have been a, like 30 minutes of just them being chased by the Benny Hill music. Well, I was going to say that like you, I feel like I feel like it could work. You would just have to probably use different character types you know like right. i guess today we'd use like a suit like a i don't know like uh like a firefighter yeah or like um i was saying like a superhero kind of thing but like have it be like a generic like one that isn't based off of anything or like you could have like a barbie type kind of girl placed in that sort of position or like you would just have to i don't think that the kinds of characters that they use for this episode would work would work in today's age i think especially with um i don't know i mean i think it i mean ultimately what depends i just think that you would just have to use different characters that because even then arguably the characters that are in there can like mm-hmm. debatably be toys that or yeah i'm sorry well, we've been to talk about that, that. <laughs> yeah i know yeah we're, yeah but i mean I yeah, to like, be fair yeah people know this episode so you're you're yeah. good I think it does depend on if kids even objectively want to play with the toys that are in, like, sort of the, like, in search of, that are well, in search of an exit in the first place kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, who the I fuck mean, has I, a hobo toy? <laughs> I mean, that was my question. <laughs> well, I don't know if he has a hobo toy, but I know somebody has a Jeremy toy. Is that does that work? I mean, a clown toy? Okay, <laughs> I get it. Especially one, listen, if, Jer- if he was named Jeremy, someone would be, like... Yeah, this guy vibes. <laughs> I, this right, this right. guy's oh, going on a shelf. You know what I mean? But like, I mean, that's the thing too. It's like, 
Like, even if they were, like, human-like, but not exactly human either, I don't think it would work. Like, if they were, like, all Lego figures, and they were, like, in a bin of Legos, they'd be like, well, that's really fucking obvious. Like, duh, yeah. you know. I mean, I guess the Lego movie kind of did that. It, it would have to be something mm-hmm. like, uh, like it, it wouldn't take on the, the same. Setup. Like like she said, like Alex said earlier, like, if it was all superhero characters, and you think it's a superhero thing, and maybe they are generic, because, you know, it's a movie. And you get generic mm-hmm. superhero movie characters. They're all superheroes, but they're trapped in this thing. They can't get out. No, someone must have stolen my powers or something, blah, 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 blah. You can still do the same thing, but I don't know if you could do it with just regular people. Because how many just regular, I mean, I guess you could throw Justin Bieber down there or something. He's not popular <laughs> anymore, but you know, like something like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, I mean, be, they have beyond to be doing archetypes, that. though, is the thing. Yeah. Like what makes it work is that they are kind of archetypes that don't really, like there's emotional depth, but not like personal depth, if that makes sense with the characters. Oh, yeah. Like it's not like you're, it, they don't necessarily have. Like it's not even like Toy Story, right? Where they don't the have characters themselves don't have backstories. Yeah, that's what I was saying. They earlier. don't have the runtime anyway, unless they do oh, it for, for sure. like an hour or something. So that's what I was saying earlier. Like these characters, I think everything we need to know is within their identity. Their identity is like what they are. You're a clown. And that's I, what you are. That's what makes the I costumes think that's... really good though in this episode, though. Oh yeah, the clown costume's amazing. Like it's one of the best things I've seen in the, the series, but I think that's also what makes this episode work. Is it's simple. It's it's not mm-hmm. like it doesn't really make you like as we've done in the past comprehend the existence of your life or the existence of humanity. It's just it's just a bunch of characters who are stuck in a place and question. They there is existential crisis stuff going on, but it's not like overpowering to the point where it almost is like trying to beat you over the head. It's just how do we get out of this like really terrible situation? And are we willing to do everything in our power? Because, I mean, you think about it, like the only way they can get out of this is by doing uh, what cheerleaders do and like step on top of each other to have somebody on the top. Human centipede. Yeah, very uh, 60s human centipede. Yeah. Um, And how about those 1966 Batman special effects? As they were standing on each other, and oh, I saw that. I was just like, "Oh my god, that's so awesome!" It oh, was they're doing Batman like the, style climb. They're yeah. doing like the Spider Man thing where you can tell that the major's actually sitting, like he's on the ground and he's climbing up. It, it's very noticeable, but it's a good effect. It works, but it's just yeah. Oh, I loved it, but it was absolutely Batman sixty six effect. <laughs> Climbing up I think the side of the makes building. makes the cinematography work too because you wouldn't be able to, because it does look like, you know, the actors are a lot more vertical than they probably actually are. I mean, it probably did that for safety reasons, obviously, but. Oh, yeah. I think even for having such a claustrophobic space, you know, for what it's worth, the camera movement was, you know, from what I recall, was diverse enough to where, you know, it was still interesting to engage with the characters. And like you kind of felt that still. What's a cylindrical? Is that a word? Oh, the the mm-hmm. or like a cylinder, yeah. like yeah, I guess yeah. sort cylindrical. of cylindrical. Um, as a word. Bucket like. Yeah. Thanks. I was trying <laughs> not to sound like it's bucket like. <laughs> like cylindrical is a word. Oh yeah, it yeah. totally is. One mm-hmm. thing though, going back to what Nick was saying about the the kind of episode and stuff. Yeah, it is a simple story, but I do think that it touches on things like those internal fears about like waking up and and not knowing where you are or. There is that inherent fear in all of us. Like 
you wake up and I don't know about you guys, but sometimes you do wake up in the morning after a really hard sleep and you're like, oh God, where am I? Like, you don't necessarily know what day it is. It's not to that extent, but I do think, you know, though that is a very realistic fear that you could play off. Yeah. With. Wake up I, and I love the bait. peeing all over the place. Exactly. <laughs> what happened? I, I love how the, oh God. Why am I, I hanging love from the... a tree in my, in my, in my, in my, uh, uh, jock strap? Not that I. Why am I in a zoo? Why am I, am I covered in blood? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but no, I like the majors. Like he, he's being overly dramatic. He's like, you know what? We have to be. The, it takes him for like five minutes to actually explain where he thinks they're at. And he's like, yeah, I'm in this place. We're all in this place, and I'm telling you why it's it's crazy and everything's it, everything's you know you know going downhill. You know where we're at. I'll tell you in just a second, right before the act break. But it's it's craziness and. He finally says they're in hell and God help them all. And I think the clown laughs like after the act break and stuff like that. But <laughs> well, you know why it, they wait until the nearly the act break? Because they figure that like YouTube videos, you know, they stop watching after the first 30 seconds or like minute. So they know that they're OK to say the word hell in 1962 or 1961. They could say, oh, well, yeah, I know that I they know. could say I'm... it, but they could only say it when referencing the actual play. You could say it as like referencing hell itself. You couldn't just be like, what the hell? I don't know why, but that, that's how it worked apparently back then. I could see that. I just, I just like the fact that it took him five minutes to say it. Like, I'm like, <laughs> just say it. What are you trying to say? Um, Spit it out. H E double hockey sticks. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? The other place. Um, the pizza joint. But I mean, All right. But I mean, they're they are in their own personal hell at the moment. I mean, they're stuck with a you know a, a clown a sad clown it's like can't you be funny i wonder if the, i wonder if actually these plays uh luigi Parandello, six characters search of an author and gene paul i wonder if like if they uh pull from any of like if there's any similarities to kind of the character arcs and the development because i'm pretty sure like these two stories weren't about people stuck in a whatever they're stuck in yeah. but yeah that's always fascinating I mean, I just, when, like yeah. no god good Oh, I was just going to say, I just remembered it being based on something, which uh, I know not all of them usually are, but I kind of remember this one for whatever reason kind of being based off of something. And then when he mentions the sort of like theatricality of the clown, it sort of reminded me of that. And I was like, oh, oh it is based off of two, like two nice. different sort of plays. Just by the title, Six Characters in Search of an Author, you do kind of get that like that fictional character and they always talk about the struggles of writing characters a certain way and they always seem to like pull their own direction and things like that so not that that has any bearing here but just generally it sounds like it'd be really interesting yeah it's um i i this is another thing that i don't we never ever talk about but i love the fact that these stories and a lot of times a lot of stories in fiction and movies and television they're pulled from like some of the most obscure stuff that you'll ever read and it actually is really nice because uh, i can't think of it like maybe guardians of the galaxy or something like that is like the easiest pull that it allows these characters these stories to find um, a new medium a new popularity through the eyes of somebody who loves that stuff that's why i love when directors and writers will start talking about a story that you've never heard of before and when you read it you're like oh that's kind of awesome it's the same thing here in the twilight zone you know rod serling and richard matheson and um uh, all the writers he's had they always pull from these like really obscure stuff and then when you read it it's like that's really creative and unique and interesting when I, I i couldn't find anything on the depository because maybe it's not in the 
you know, on Wikipedia or not Wikipedia, but uh, their story I can't find anywhere. I'd be interested to see and go back and see what Rod Sterling found on this story. So interesting if it like if it deviates from like what he told, because a lot of times they'll take that story and kind of reconfigure it to make it more digestible uh, than what they do. And I'm, I'm kind of curious now to go back and the, you bringing that up with like the two uh, plays, if there's any semblance to this story. So I like that. I like when well, the way that. that- people who always like to say take a story and kind of like they'll take the source material and i mean it's an obvious thing they make it their own you know they they take their influences and their backgrounds and they they infuse themselves into this existing story and make it something completely new it's it's kind of cool but with that said uh the basically the last portion of this episode is the major is not giving up Everybody else was giving up. The major's like, you know what? We're going to find a way to get out of here. So they decided to build a human kind of uh, ladder. Centipede. And the balance. Okay. Yeah, human centipede. Uh, They're going to build to get out of here. And they sent up the ballerina because, you know, she's she's probably the most uh, flexible when it comes to people who could probably get out of here and try and figure out what the problem is. And uh, what's that? The light is too. Yeah. So she can get out. She can. But of course, the ringing of the bell uh, or the, some kind of bell causes them to all fall and uh, everybody almost dies. And of course, uh, the major, who's now very attracted to the ballet dancer, says, you know what? We can do this. We can, All we need to use the, is the bayonet and the rope and we can get out of here. You sit here, sit tight. I'll climb another wall and save you, you know, later or get thrown back in and never save you. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But um, basically, after a few tries, he's able to get the bayonet over. He climbs over and he falls into snow. So one before real, we get into the quick action, thing, one real yeah. quick thing before we get any further, I just want to point out that, well, that too, a proper kilt, like if you're talking traditional Scottish kilt, has six yards of fabric in it. So in theory, all they would have needed was the kilt to be able to go up over the wall and use that as your Yeah, rope. but this is the 1960s, Triv. I don't know if we need R-rated Twilight Zone. I just show him from the waist up. I mean, there's nothing that says. Well, he, I mean, plus he's got, well, and plus he's got the scar in there. He's got his, his little bag. We're not, we're not doing Willie from The Simpsons here. Hey, hey, Sorry, I don't want to hear about okay. his little bag. Okay. <laughs> hey, look it up. No, it's I mean, actually a thing. <laughs> I, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. I'm sure. It covers, you all it covers all, all about the Ghibli bits. Aware. That's all you need. <laughs> I'm sure. Joe's have been to Scotland. She knows. She knows. How I these have. Work, yeah. I guess. I've been mooned once or twice too. So you know what? I have experience with all parts of that. And she's got mooned on the interstate. Good for you. I said by a Scotsman. I don't know if he's Scottish. He was in a convertible, and I was on a bus when I was a kid, and we were like flipping people off, like you do, <laughs> on the way back from see, a field trip. And this guy, these two guys in a convertible, one of them got up and straight dropped his pants and mooned all of us. See, in, mo- in most people's lives, when people are on buses, they ask the trucker to go, you know, with the horn. Jacob's just like flipping people off and getting mooned. Pants like down. it's like. <laughs> um, Jacob, you, but... you never cease to to not surprise me. Right, I got stories. Yes, <laughs> many stories. It's funny. Apparently, <laughs> this show. means pull your pants down, show us your ass and balls. <laughs> Who knew? Cultures. <laughs> <laughs> um but when they when they, I, I love the the feeling of like all the all the characters of the individuals as the guy falls into the snow he's like oh well i guess we'll wait for the next person to, to wake up and find themselves in this pit of despair clown just like yeah whatever and um yeah i mean before we get into the actual like uh reveal like 
did you if you were to watch this for the first time would you honestly like think like what would you honestly think i don't know what to honestly think like it's it's such a weird it's such a crazy twist like you know would you think that it would go where it went being that he fell into snow i would say that there's nothing that prepares you for that if you're looking at this for the first time or if you watch this in the 60s so I would say no. It'd be like, why? Why did he fall into a pile of asbestos? And 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 how long is it going to be until he gets mesothelioma? Fell into a cocaine factory. Also that. Hey, we're we're coming back to cocaine bear. That's awesome. I mean, they were on the edge of the seventies, so you never know. <laughs> You're not untrue. <laughs> yeah. To answer your question, no. I, there's nothing here that would have given. Well, not for me when I first saw it. Nothing gave it away until they gave it away. Then it gave give it, it away, away. Give it away. Give it away. No. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away. <laughs> yeah, I was in the same boat. So. Okay. Well, the thing yeah, is, he know. drops. He doesn't. He drop like when he drops. He's actually drops as a doll. Yeah. No, 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 no. he drops. He's a no, human. He drops as himself. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then he gets picked up um, as a ginormous headed doll. He's like a cubie no, doll. But I thought. No, I thought when he land when he lands in the snow, he's a doll. That's what I thought and too. He gets picked up. I didn't. You know what? let me give me a few seconds uh, let me go to paramount.com all right bring on the benny I think it's Hill also music. one on pluto tv yes is it ah. <laughs> it falls into asbestos ah. Ah, the Wait, but how does he get picked up though he gets picked Great. up as a doll but it won't be oh look at the fucking head on that thing <laughs> the snow looks so different it does no it's great oh that's funny yeah yeah but i i, I like how it's also for a girl's home I oh totally i know right? Forgot right what it was for. i thought it was just a general like toy drive thing and then i totally forgot that it, it's not a fucking trash can <laughs> they're different <laughs> there's no liner on it oh <laughs> It's not a trash, oh, trash can. can. Somebody forgot to put a trash. They literally can. say it's a barrel. It's a it's barrel. A very it's not large a trash barrel. can. It's a barrel. Well, I I have trash I have for many... this. <laughs> All right, we're doing have... Thunderdome. The two of you go <laughs> get prepared. No, they're doing they're doing they're doing they live. <laughs> Guys, can't we we're just doing, like, get beyond Thunderdome? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, anyways, outside of Triv's uh, <laughs> terrible jokes, no, I'm kidding. Hey, um, that was half so, the episode last time, you dick. <laughs> that was more than half. I know. Yeah, <laughs> the episode is only twenty-five minutes long, so you're welcome, people in the world that don't. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyways, with that said, <laughs> you guys have kind of alluded to the ending. So once he falls in the snow, we they look up. The like, <laughs> well, let, let me, uh, let me to it. We just showed way. the ending. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, maybe I ended it out. You don't know. You don't know why I do. No, um, but basically, the ending, the twist, what makes it kind of great? Because I mean, you could look at this like a very standard Twilight Zone existential crisis type episode, but it gets into no. We're gonna pull the rug out of you under. We're gonna pull the rug from out pull under the rug you. Out of you. Yeah, we're gonna pull the rug <laughs> out of your ass. Uh, no, but and pull the rug off the, these nuts. Oh, oh so so anyway, so when um, he when. We pan back to the guy. He's now a doll. The young girl picks up the doll, Dwayne. and we find out. <laughs> so, a mouse pointer. So anyway, so he picks up the doll. The, the young girl picks up the doll, and we find out that the bell is the woman that's for charity. 
we find out it's a doll and when they pan over when the girl's like i'm just throwing you back into the dumpster um or the the barrel uh we find out all the characters he said it, are... he said it. Which side are you on nick i'm not on anybody's side, side. I just... the on. right side no oh God, he what is said that? barrel afterward what fuck? he corrected himself yeah i made a mistake oh my god I, i'm like will arnett and uh and uh rest of development i made a mistake Oh no, gosh, but like, okay, so in the barrel, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I got to ask you guys this question. Like now that we've learned that there are five dolls in a barrel, like what does that mean for the entire episode as like this existential crisis? Like what the, the, the ballerina's hand does go towards the, the major's hand. So there's like kind of a relationship there, but it brings up a lot of questions about like, it was all this real was all of this fake was all of this kind of uh, a trick on the mind is this like an alternate dimension like what exactly is going on here because um, it, even though the the major's outside the barrel it just brings up like a whole can of like are they part of the toy story world where if humans see them they turn into yeah a whole can of worms whatever uh but <laughs> do they turn the into tear that the ballet dancer Oh yeah. Oh, she had a tear. Oh, I actually didn't. Yeah, yeah she did. And then it pans it. up to the sky when Rod says the closing narration. That's like the last so shot. The ballerina oh, okay, is Bo Peep, yeah. and the major is Woody. I mean, sure. I'm the only yeah, one. Makes... I'm the I'm, I'm the only one that gets Thank it. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. Was <laughs> <laughs> that you've been holding on to this whole time? By the no, way? no. My um, question is, that was, was, like, that was actually really fucking lame. If that was Woody. Holding on to <laughs> no, the, the, I already asked the question. It was who the fuck has a hobo action figure? His name is Jeremy. Look, it's Hobo Jeremy. <laughs> I want to see that commercial. Hey, have you not? Have you not lived in the sixties, Jacob? Gee, all the yeah, characters Joe. that were given as toys were all Jeremy random. Hobo, All American Tramp. I think you're gonna start seeing your own trains now. <laughs> Jacob makes his first million, separately. and and he could he comes out with a Jeremy the Hobo toy. <laughs> yes, good lord. <laughs> oh, but no, like it just brings up a lot of questions about like what is like is this a Toy Story type of thing where when humans see them they they turn into back in the dolls or they turn like it just it's just a very interesting twist to have in an episode that you know, plays out like they're stuck in the seventh level of hell or something like that, or the sixth level of hell. And here is just their action dolls and a barrel being given away to children, which is I love like the magic? ending to this. Like, I mean, it like, could be. It could be like the never-ending story or something. Well, like when somebody looks at them, they freeze. Because like in Toy Story, it's not like that. It's like they are aware, well, for the most part, they are. So when they see like kids or people, they just kind of go, Ugh, and like fall over. But these guys... This is Woody. <laughs> his he loses his Woody. I always, I always no. just kind of took that it was like the love of the kids that that kind of raised them or that had them, like that imbued them with a certain kind of life. And to not have well, that, especially with the with the ballerina, Andy, you see her, you see that missing aspect of it. So, but then well, that's there's why I bring up, but then it's kind of like purgatory because they're getting the chance, you know, to be loved again by kids at this at this um well that's what i was gonna say it's 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 almost like Girl loneliness school. a little bit because they're in this barrel they're not being looked at by anybody so that they can come to life or whatever and it's well, a I very lonely existence for the toys to be collected to then be like gifted away though wasn't it yeah well no it was but it, it just it's interesting how like nobody really kind of there's like because the daughter 
asked the woman it's like about it it's like oh it's been really you know not very good this year for toy uh drive and deliveries and that's why i bring up the loneliness thing because these characters are just stuck in this barrel with people walking by not donating so it almost feels like you know a little bit of a sad thing but i i love the closing narration because it has like a hopeful nature to it which a lot of these episodes don't they get into like very dark very sad commentary on whatever they're talking about but here they're like we'll get into it but uh, here in a couple minutes but yeah it's it's interesting to kind of if you kind of break down the story like what is it really representing on the human uh, psychology level type of thing i don't know i, don't I look at these things deep. weird i guess i think, I think they just a clever deep. little kind of and they said hey let's let's make some toys in the bottom of a trash can and they don't know it they're trying to get out <laughs> and we won't know it till the end I, I mean can you imagine if that buck if that if the barrel was full though like Everybody is in there like going, ah, ah, everybody's freaking out. And the ones at the bottom are like, guys, come on, chill. Like what other toys would they have had around that time, circa 1960? They like would have Indian... like an army man. Yeah, the Indian. Well, they yeah, got an Indian army, army man. man. They would have had like a uh, um, Fisher Price. Like, 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 they would have had, had a... a... Like baby dolls kind of thing. Yeah. Like a baby down there crying nonstop. And they're like, Jesus Christ, get this baby to shut up. It would have been a giant baby. But I would think that would have made it a very different episode two if it was just sort of i mean again if they were just sort of generic toys yeah kind of thing and i think that's the thing like you can't not not that you shouldn't like look at it and and critique it but i think you do have to take it at surface level because with something like this that is kind of where it starts and stops for sure it's an interesting premise it's you know it's just as much the challenge of trying to tell the story in a singular space as it is and keeping it quiet as to what it actually represents as much as anything yeah because there's a lot of i mean there's a lot of like um like verbal and physical like more like physical cues i would say that make a lot more sense upon a rewatch too like especially with how like they move from time to time or you know when they kind of say they're deprived of food and water but also you know just kind of don't seem like they're it's not necessarily like disheveled and a way where like someone who i guess maybe was like stranded in the middle of nowhere for example would probably be right. after a few days or something i mean well, they don't seem like people shows... they seem yeah. like caricatures which they are mm-hmm. like yeah. the ballerina is just like talking and just randomly like and like the bagpiper is just mm-hmm. like playing music all the time they're doing you know their one thing the whole time wasn't there like one moment too where like they were i think it was i don't remember i think it might have been all of them but the major or something were like performing like certain like would they all came out like in a line sort of thing yeah that's the the well the clown the clowns on the ground and the three come in with the bagpipes playing like near the very beginning yeah yeah i think that's like i think that's the commercial break i'm pretty sure or something like that yeah i mean it comes in it comes in well no no it comes in pretty pretty early but it's almost like um you hear the traditional bagpipe playing and you see the ballerina doing the the weird creepy ballerina dance and the the jeremy comes in you know <laughs> i think he has a knapsack or something like that on the his back he's carrying it um i i did read while you guys were talking i found out that the set that they're that looks like they're climbing up the the barrel is actually was actually positioned at a 45 degree angle with a mat below them so it wasn't totally on the ground, but it was forty five. It was so they could oh, okay. shoot up to make yeah, it look like it, it was. Like to me, like it seems like it was elevated yeah. a bit off the ground. 
Makes sense. Um, apparently, they so had all their two weight sets. wasn't going straight back; it was still going somewhat down. And like, there's a part where yeah. they jump down, like some of them jump down, so they could still do that. Yeah, yeah. I think it allowed them too to like still pretend they were kind of wobbly too, but like at least feel secure enough. I guess sort of act that out without feeling like they actually would <laughs> lose balance. That would be um, I, getting up. That would be. I mean, if you if you were literally like at that angle or at a ninety degree angle, yeah, that would be oof, a lot of oof. And uh, Triv, I am sorry they didn't use Mission Impossible mask to put ah. the, the likeness on the dummies. So I'm sorry. I know you were really looking forward to that. Apparently, they I did was. create like um, miniature masks, though, of like uh, whatever that stuff they put on to create a mold. Master. And that's why. Uh, yeah, that's why the yeah, was whatever it was. That's how they created the uh, likeness of the dolls. Because oh, nice. if you look at the dolls, they're really close to the actual character, even though they're not the character. They're just like a really interesting kind of how they were able to do lifelike in the 1960s. Yeah. Um, the they didn't just actually have people. Yeah. They didn't actually wow, have yeah. them uh, like just stay totally still no. the way they have in past episodes. No, it's yeah. They're actually dolls, which I, I find interesting. The level of detail that they're willing to do sometimes in the show is uh, quite uh, different than a lot of shows in this time frame. Yeah. The episodes like, they give a shit about. Yeah, yeah. Well, that too. Ooh. It's not like Mr. Ed where they just had like, you know, the, with the the mouth of the the horse moving on its own or something like that. Like, yeah. Wilbur. I, I mean, television um, was still pretty new. Like even yeah, like, yeah, it was early sixties yeah. too. So there's also that to keep in mind. Very true. Where, like I think well, even like even cinema had only been around for. Like since like the very late, I would say like nineteenth century before, you know, I think about the time like cinema was more popularized was probably around like the twenties and thirties, and even then there yeah. was like the Great Depression, World Wars, you know, yeah, uh, stuff, Hollywood like, kind of was a role. Hollywood kind of came into its own in the like teens, and then it kind of developed from there into a more of a an industry in the twenties. So. Yeah, yeah, that's that's why that once upon a time the Buster Keaton episode is so fascinating because it, it allows the kind of the history up to that point to be represented in a, a TV series, and that's why the Twilight Zone does really well. Is it, it creates these interesting like worlds and interesting ideas that even today seem wholly original for you know even though it's 1960 and things have changed and things have gotten a little bit better the story is still wholly unique for something that was 1960 when the idea of like the craziness of the sci-fi, you know, spin on everything was, you know, slightly taken hold, but I find it fascinating that he can do an episode like this, do an episode about the civil war episode, you know, about aliens coming down to eat people and nobody else was doing that kind of stuff. That's why the Twilight Zone is so different than anything that was on TV at the time very much so yeah uh but with that said uh i'm assuming that everybody liked the episode i'm guessing i i, I i'm hoping uh, if you guys <laughs> he's putting you it below for chance to dream escaping the jeremy's uh hoboness or whatever we stand uh, catch a ride in his sack Woo-hoo. we stand jeremy on this podcast absolutely <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but do you guys have anything you wanted to say more about this episode that we haven't talked about or that I haven't said already? I mean, I, I think you covered most everything as far as it goes. You know, the the premise, it, it's 
well you know there was that one thing but i'm not going to bring it up because you know reasons that's, um, uh, that's mighty nice of you oh you know i i try to help where i can <laughs> no I, I think it was it was a with a lot of the episodes that have kind of ended up a little bit lower on the list the story was very simple but with the like this one here it's done in a way that makes sense they 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 took a very simple story and because of the people doing the acting because of the way that it's shot and the verbiage and such you know it doesn't feel like you're being you know ex exposited to death you know it makes sense they they were smart in the way that they played to the character strengths of each you know kind of stereotype and it worked well i enjoyed this episode i um like i said i really like these type of single setting stories this has this episode absolutely like, like all of its success rides on the ending. If it's not, if the ending is not like oh, ooh and ah ending, if the payoff's not there, then this one just doesn't work. Would you say that about a lot of things? But you know, you have some stories that it's kind of like oh, well, the journey was really good. I'd say the journey was bad here, but if this had not had a hell of a ending, I don't think it would have been looked at as as you know as fondly as it is. Um, I still like the episode though. I think it was still, I think it was a great episode. I it kept me engaged the whole time. I was interested in it. I like the characters. Um, they are very simple. The story is extremely simple, but simple is not a bad thing. I think it, it has a, a really good payoff for what it is. It catches you. It knows when to end and it, it, it does that at the right time and then just goes on. I don't really think there's a whole lot to dissect as far as the story goes. Um, I just think it was, you know, just this really interesting idea that they had, and they executed it. Executed it. Executed it. Executed it very well. I do wonder if the ending had not been this, if it had been something else, or if maybe it was more vague or something like that. Would we still look at this episode as fondly as we do? Was the whole episode what sold you on it, or was it the ending? A good question. That kind of takes it back to. What was it third from the sun had that just absolute yeah. banger exactly. i i think i do think that this one stands on its own there's enough better than that like, one yes well yeah absolutely i i think that this is um alex talked about it before how you can't look at this one the same on follow-up watches as you do on the first watch it is kind of like mm -hmm. the sixth sense and the things that happen with that you can still appreciate it and everything that it does but once you have that first watch and obviously there are other movies that have twists like that but there are certain ones where it's like such a revelation. You're like, it comes at you at a left field and you don't expect it. And, you know, that that's kind of what this was. I do think you can still enjoy it after that, but there's more to it than just a banger ending. Yeah, I, I think, think uh, to certain man's like that as well. Like it has that banger ending, but I think it once you know the ending, you kind of it ruins it a little bit. It kind of makes it a little bit lesser, but not bad. But it just you. That's the it's all paid on on the twist type of thing. So but don't you that? think too? Oh, absolutely. It's, um, it's uh basically that it's a cookbook of um. Oh, it's no, called that, this, no, oh no, I was just no, I didn't know what the title was. Oh sorry. Oh, it's a certain man. Yeah, it's a certain man. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. I still think that overall episode though still does work. I think it just kind mm -hmm. of um, I think what makes that overall episode work, even like regardless of whether you know the ending or not, really is just sort of like, like even if you know the ending and rewatch it, I think. I think you can still have a great time with it, kind of having that perspective of, oh, you know something that, you know, like, you know what the aliens do, but the humans don't kind of thing. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't really remember what that's, like, you kind of have that sort of, like, 
I guess, like, perspective on it that you otherwise wouldn't have, like, on a first watch kind of thing. Right, think... and um, well, what I was going to say real quick is this kind of episode is a perfect episode to, like, if somebody was really interested in the Twilight Zone, this would be a great episode to show them because it it has the stereotypical characters, which Rod certainly is known for writing, it has that twist ending, which he's also known for doing. So it's like watching The Sixth Sense. It's a good way to integrate people into the series. You know, you could show them like Eye of the Beholder. You could show them uh, Nick of Time and stuff like that. This is Nick of Time, the one with uh, Burgess Meredith. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this this feels like one of those episodes that would be perfect for, as a starting point. I think also, um, while I do think that this wholly depends on its ending, I like one of the ones, and I've talked about this episode ad nauseum, the uh, third from the sun one. I brought that example up a bunch of times. I'll bring it up here because they're similar in that way. It's like they totally depend on the ending. The difference in this one and that one is that one going back to watch it, I don't think would be as interesting. I would be waiting for the ending the whole time. The whole time watching third from the sun again, I'd just be like, okay, get to the good part. The last 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. This one, um, even though I know the ending, I knew it going into this one, this, this watch, I still was entertained because they kept it tight and they focused on the problem at hand, which was where are we get out of here? Even though I know where they are and what's going to transpire. I thought it was just really well, it was well executed. It was interesting seeing these characters come to these different um, logical conclusions within their world and trying to like these different ways to get out of this, this predicament. So I think it was a, just a well executed episode. It was very simple. I think if they had tried to make it more, if they had tried to go into explaining things more and like adding more lore to the whole story, I think it would have ruined it. That's why an hour long, I do not think this would work as an hour long episode. It's actually interesting. I was looking up uh, Lamont Johnson because I was looking up the Felicity uh, trivia that they had. I didn't know Lamont Johnson directed episodes all the way into the 90s. Like he he did a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and he actually, there was an homage to this episode in an episode that he directed that was written by J.J. Abrams. I, I, I found that interesting, so I figured I'd bring that up. But cool. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool that he's directed for five, six decades of his life. He's kind of a lot of people do. Yeah. Yeah, like James Burroughs, who's a famous director of TV. But anyways, uh, with that said, uh, that's kind of the episode. Uh, it's, like I said, not the most complex episode, but it has pretty much a banger of an ending that um, a lot of people remember for that. So, but anyways, that's Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah. 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 It'd be like Friday night at 8 p.m. type of episode. So with that said, uh, that's five characters in search of an exit. Season three, episode 14. And let's head into everybody's favorite thing to do on a podcast oh. or a YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. that's right. Let me let me roll that back. So, Jacob, <laughs> do the closing narration. I'll, re- I'll redo all that. I was going to see how long I didn't have a post-it note asking about the closing narration. So <laughs> yeah, you should have done that. Got to it. You had, I was you thinking about it, but I was like, it's not. It's going to be dead. Like, the joke's going to be dead at that point. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, they'll remember there there this is no joke that's dead on yeah, this. Yeah, I don't have to remind it. I don't have to remind them twice, right? <laughs> no. yes. uh, you always have to remind us twice. We're, we're old. You have to remind us every time. Anyway, I've been told I'm old. Nah. You no, know, I'm also <laughs> been told that I've been young. Young people think I'm younger than I am, so it's fine. You're you're timeless. You're I like hope the Twilight Zone. Still think I'm younger than I am. Anyway, let's not <laughs> answer that question. Just a barrel, a dark depository where are kept the counterfeit make-believe pieces of plaster and cloth, wrought in a distorted image of human life. But this added hopeful note. Perhaps they are uninvolved, 
or unloved, not uninvolved, unloved. That makes more sense. Only for the movement. In the arms of children, there can be nothing but love. A clown, a tramp, a bagpipe player, a ballet dancer, and a major. Tonight's cast of players on the odd <laughs> stage known as the Twilight Zone. <laughs> Jacob went real hard on that, and then he did something that uh, Alex pointed out, noticed, and started laughing. And I'm like, what did I, what did I, what did I do? <laughs> it, it's like Nothing. when you, uh, yeah, yeah, did we'll I, did leave I it that. I, I didn't. I no. was just. I was. You just went hard. Here. Oh, the unloved, unvol- uninvolved. I don't know why I saw it. it looked like uninvolved as I was going. Uh, they are uninvolved Jacob. for the moment. In the Twilight too. Zone. Yeah. In the arms yeah. of children, there can be nothing <laughs> but love. Jacob doesn't consider himself lonely, so then he was like, "That's not relatable to me. I'm just gonna change it." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's got several kids and many goats and chickens. I don't think he's ever lonely. I do. He just needs a. He needs a cow now. He'll be. Complete. See, if I read it, I wouldn't have made that error. Oh. <laughs> okay. Oh, I think I think that's a challenge. I think, uh, Alex, I think you need to come well, on just, just to do the opening clip. Is awesome. That takes all the fun out of it. No, yeah, that it takes does like not. It's extra literally, work. We literally talked about a thespian clown, and you don't even take the time to at least read it once. <laughs> I'm a clown for sure, if not a thespian clown. You know, you said, <laughs> you know what? Your words, not mine, man. I'm just saying. <laughs> It doesn't take, like, I read the narrations. I read the narrations before I got here. Come on now, let's be real. Had I read it earlier today, I probably still would have flubbed it. (laughs) He is nothing if not consistent. That's part of the fun. Maybe I do it on purpose. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like when I stumble through the narrative, when I stumble through the the synopsis, yeah, that's all pre-planned. I'm just here for the booze. I'm still waiting for you to send me booze. What's wrong with you, Trev? You can't. You gotta give me the D. Give me the D to your theater so I can get free booze. No, 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 no. (laughs) Besides that, you cannot legally send booze through the mail because of prohibition. You need to show a real physical ID for that too. Yeah, very true. But with that said, uh, that is the five characters in search of an exit, uh, season three, episode fourteen. And uh, let's go ahead and head into the uh, Twilight Zone ranking list. What's that? It's three point one four. Uh, oh you're right it is that's awesome if only our pie day, that would have been funny mm, pie. It is pie day. Mm, pie. march 14th <laughs> oh yes that's true see Why are you looking it up? I, I had to look it up i'm looking it up she's like what the hell are you talking you about sucker what do you mean <laughs> i i don't know i don't think that's why I do a Twilight Zone podcast with Triv and Jacob. Well, they, thanks. They, they think for me. Hey, I'm. I'm, 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 I'm... <laughs> <laughs> there's always a running joke in the podcast I do. I don't know. Maybe it's not a running joke, but there's always a thing in the podcast where I've always been the host on every podcast I've ever done. And I said one day, I said, I said to Triv and Jacob, I said, if, if I were to have to take a, a week off, could you do it? They're like, uh, we'll just do it next week. I'm like, really? <laughs> Really? You got okay, we so, tangent like nobody's damn business. Like we need Nick's but that guiding hand. Like I, I would have given you an episode like that was crappy, and you guys could have just tangented about dad jokes and whatever the hell else you guys want to tangent about. I just think it's funny. Like podcast without you, like I'm like the glue that can't hold this podcast in a wildcat's ear. <laughs> what? I, I don't know. I didn't what are you saying? But single thing you said. That just was like gibberish in my ears. But apparently, Something I'm the, the uh, June prune. 
sometimes so, apparently i'm the glue that holds the podcast head. together that can't hold it together I don't, I don't know what's going on um anyways with that said let's do the twilight zone ranking list the yeah, greatest ranking list that Rod Sterling would have loved. And of course, everybody is always a good ranking list on YouTube and Twitter and everywhere you can imagine. So, yeah. So I sent you guys all the list. Uh, this is where Jacob goes. Why did you send us the bottom half of the list? Because I know we're going to put this in the top half. So do you? Though? Where we put this? I don't know. Number I know three. you wanted above game. <laughs> Triv, um, like I said, 25. 25? Better than 24. Hey, uh, Nick, eight. do you know what comes after 24? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have your choice number three or number 25 i go with number 180 it's not even that many episodes Dang. there was only 150 in the series <sighs> exactly that's a well, trash I mean, we haven't got into it <laughs> throw it in the trash can i don't know like is this a top 20 episode i would personally say it is i think so yeah i think so but not a top 10 episode Hey, I have to look over the list. Give me a second. No, take your time. I'm just like, I'm just kind of uh, positioning where maybe we go. I don't know about top 10. I mean, a... we might end up putting it there and I don't know, but just off the top of my head, I think it's a great episode and it is quintessential Twilight Zone. But I don't know if I would call it top 10. It's definitely on up there for sure. But then again, I'm not even looking at what we have in the top 10 right now. So I might I start mean, looking at it and be like, should. oh, I like it better than that one. <laughs> Things that were ranking, I probably should look. But I usually wait for them to pick like an area. And then I'm like, well, okay. See, Alex is the only one that would come on to our podcast and question our ability to rank stuff. I'm I, okay I with that, that because we need that. I highly doubt. Well, no, because like our, all our guests come on and are like, <laughs> you know what? Uh, that, that seems fine. Alex is like, fuck this list. This list sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and she'll give like. I'll give like, you that. Why is the passive the only one that will openly question it? I think everyone questions it. I mean, I'm autistic, man. I'm just blunt sometimes. <laughs> Nothing. We appreciate the hell out of you for that. Yeah. I, I, I will say, I the grave. Oh, the grave was one of the Western episodes, right? Yeah, yeah basically the ending was uh, the guy. Um, yeah, the guy um, like stabbed his stabbed a knife into the grave, and he basically died of fright because his coat got stuck. He got up and went. Ah. Yep. Oh. I don't even remember that episode. They're kind of talking about how um, was it the like he shot he shot the he had Levon Cleef in it and stuff. Yeah, like the the weird uh, uh, widowed uh, sister, the sister who yeah, had the plate. Drunk. Yeah, I like for some reason I cannot remember that episode for the life of me. That's great. I would. Say... That might just be us describing it too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to look it up too, and I'm like trying to like. We remember it. There's so many episodes. Honestly, I was going to say like around like 15, 16, which is why I looked it up. I think that's fair. At least according to your ranking. Only because I think that this definitely, this episode is definitely like definitive Twilight Zone. But I think with the other episodes that you have, like at least with like the top 15, they're already like really solid to me personally so we don't suck guys we don't suck <laughs> i want to put in oh, that we suck. We just suck in but i think way. for what it's worth with your list i think it's you know those episodes are pretty solid with this dumpster fire of a list yeah <laughs> that's why we love it dumpster the trash, trash can go on the dumpster fire <laughs> I, i'm with you though alex i think like his world of his own from like that's that's kind of my like everything above that is is it takes something really special to go above that not to say this isn't mm-hmm. a solid episode, but for myself, I would watch pretty much any of the the fifteen above that before I would watch this one again. And mostly mm-hmm. because, like the, and again, it's not that it's not a good episode, but 
after you watch it the first time, you do have that, you know what's going on. You know, you don't necessarily revisit it because you already know it. Like, you appreciate it and you can go back and watch it occasionally, but it's not when you're going to pick up on a random mm-hmm. Saturday afternoon. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely go down, like, a little lower, too. I mean, I, like, I mean, I could once just, upon a time I mean, more, we could but that's put it, like, We can put it below Game of Pool just out of spite for Jacob, but... <laughs> what? What? Nothing? No. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, it could go, it could go below Game of Pool. At number twenty-five, I'd have to go at yeah, number twenty. Yeah, but number would be twenty-six. That's the Hitchhiker. Uh, I mean, I can put this right above Hitchhiker, right can. below Perchance to Dream. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I was thinking that just because Game of Pool was is a very memorable episode. Like, I think I tried to, I tried to push for higher. Of, like, I, I, I appreciate you doing that because it's a good ass episode. It um, is. I'm not no, even they really weren't a fan it. of sports, but like, I, I would think like that to... one, like. The fact, I mean, that was kind of that was another episode too, where it was that single setting, but it had like to the two people, mm-hmm. like it had like a two person dynamic. I'd like to point out the entire thing that in the original Perchance to Dream episode that I was not part of, Nick wanted it to go higher, higher being lower. Oh God! Okay, it's my fault. He was talked out. I'm of terrible. It. Okay. I suck. I'm if sorry. You, no, have I, you seen I, I was bribed. Animated series though. He was bribed. What okay, did I bribe seen, him with? Okay. I will say though, like one of the best episodes of Batman the okay, Animated Series is Perchance a Dream, and in my opinion, that episode is better than the Twilight Zone one. In my opinion, but which one is that? Is, which one? It involves uh, um the Mad Hatter. Oh, oh yes, that right. is a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a very yeah, good I remember that. episode. For sure. Um, um, I honestly like that, here's I where I would do on that, but yeah. <laughs> Um, I think this episode is better than Nick of Time, but not as good as It's a Good Life. That's kind of where I would put it. That that's just that's just how I feel. Was, just based on wait. Good Life was the end of season one, right? No, no, no. It's a Good Life was the uh, World of His Own is is the end of yeah. season one. Yeah, I think a World of His Own is. I mean, I do think that's a like a good episode, a solid episode. I think that the more memorable part of that episode at least from my recollection of it, really is just Serling appearing in it towards the, the end. end. Um, and it's definitely like one of those comedic episodes where I think, espe- I don't know, especially with the Twilight Zone, I just feel like, especially with the more like comedic ones, it can definitely be hit or miss for people. Like there are a few like comedic ones that stood out to me, but I'm sure probably don't for other people. Um, Understandable. Yeah. But I think like the more dramatic ones are what you think of with the Twilight Zone though. And I think... You know, this one like has like I guess like a comical, I guess sort of setup, but it definitely is like played very like melodramatically kind of thing. Yeah, I mean it, it's it, it's one of those episodes that just stands out on characters and the actual story, and I mean the ending, like Jacob alluded to. I just I think Nick of Time is a good episode. I just think this one feels better than nick of time nick of time's like one of those episodes that i love but just i don't know when i when i find episodes like this i find it more compelling than nick of time because i would oh, this watch this one more obsessed. than nick of time personally yeah it's a good life is the guy who's in the movie uh no it's what? a good it's a good life is the kid that wishes people into the oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. i'm sorry we just watched no, that it's all good i do like i like that one just that whole episode and everything behind it more than this one nick of time which one it's was that? Shatner? That's where he keeps Shatner putting the pennies in the, the thing oh. and asking it questions. Yeah, we looked up the the price of the uh, yeah uh, replica. It was like six thousand dollars or something. I like, like that. this one more than Nick of Time. 
like ever like just, i mean not, nothing against naked time i just i would rather i'd watch this one before naked time and mm-hmm. i mean this is like in the area that you were talking about anyways alex like where you would put it in our on our mm-hmm. list so I, I don't know if you're if that would be all right or if, i mean i don't know i agree i mean it is your podcast too so <laughs> Have more well, I mean, I try to make it my podcast, but they they keep asking for money, so I put them in a barrel. I, I throw them in the for mm-hmm. you know donations. In the trash can, yeah, exactly. He threw me in the trash can. Trig gets a barrel. You yeah. go in the trash can, and then other things go in a barrel. <laughs> my theater got exploded, and I was left in a barrel too. So you know. Yeah, but you build a better theater that you'll give to me eventually. I don't have no. any excuses. I just started in a trash can. <laughs> And now you're in outer space. My parents dropped me off there when I was a baby. Aww. You were were you born a poor <laughs> black child? Yes. <laughs> oh God. Okay. I did cool. the thing, Michael. So, <laughs> so you would. So is that all right? Putting it b- below. It's a good life above Nick of Time. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Jacob's like, I'll allow it. <laughs> See, Jacob, well, you're I'm supposed to be wondering. the guy that can like predict these things when I say it. like you should have them on the fly. There you go. Now I'm gonna Did have to edit. Have now you're making me a though. Like I, I thought he was only just trying to fight for it to, like, because of perchance a dream spot. That is. Exactly. I, I think he. I'm trying. Yeah, I think he's given up. <laughs> he's a trained monkey. <laughs> what are we in the top twenty-five anyway? Like, be grateful, my guy. Like, it's not even that low. It's in the top half of the list. It has been. I have that took a lot of work. <laughs> Especially yeah, I think it was like in the top ten for yeah, a year. Yeah, not on your part. Year. Trying to push it down. Like, hello. I have been successful at this thus far. It will be in the I mean, second it was only, half. <laughs> to be fair, it was thing. a given at some point. This the episode is going to have to go down the list at some point. You know, when you have like five characters in search of an exit and the third man coming up and the monsters do on Maple Street. It's when you get to episodes like Death Heads Revisited, where you're like, I guess it's a top ten episode. It's yeah, <laughs> set like seventy eight. Something like that. Yeah, we're seventy nine now. But I mean, we don't look a day over fifty six. Okay, seventy eight is halfway. I'm eighty four. I don't know what you're saying. That is true. I gotta get it to number seventy eight. I would like to see you try. So we need about halfway. Hold on, I got approximately fifty more. (laughs) Go under it. Yeah, you you got seventy episodes. One fifty is seventy five, Jacob. Huh? There's one hundred fifty six episodes. Half of one fifty is seventy five. But there's one hundred and fifty six episodes. No, it's 150. Is it? I thought it was 156. You guys lied to me. My whole no, life is really I'm sitting. Even. Isn't it? I think no, it's 156. Clearly, I don't know. Is it 156? <laughs> yeah, because... Oh, I show up when they tell me and just click on the next episode. <laughs> I don't know. There could be 572. <laughs> maybe, I was just, maybe I just consolidated it to be 150. Well, considering well, I mean, that get, some of those episodes should be shit. Oh, it is 156. Well, yeah, you oh, get rid of the four sorry, seasons. So yeah. you... What was that? No, you get. But see, she's doing it right though. She got rid of the four seasons, so there technically is 150 episodes. So give her that four season, you know. So we'll, well, we'll give her the win. Have, like, 18 episodes. I was gonna say there's only six. Yeah. The, the math ain't math in here tonight at all for anybody. <laughs> okay, it is halfway to 156 in that case, but I'm pretty yeah. sure. How many right? episodes did Twilight season four have? 16 uh, or 18. It had half of like yeah. what most of the seasons. So. Yeah, I just don't remember. Oh, it was eighteen. All I know and is I've we're one episode close because those 18, are 20, an yeah, hour long. Oof. I, I was gonna say we're one close, one episode closer to Oof. season four, and I'm not ready for that. 
That's like the dregs. Uh, Not all of them. Printer's Demon is good. You keep saying I, that, but I, I worry that you're more worried about Jezbel being the great. Well, I am worried about Jezbel because it's a fucking dumpster fire. I personally did not like Jezebel at all. That sucked. I couldn't care less when I watched it. It goes on. So, it, it, it's so, hard at half an hour, much less an hour for me. So Alex's next episode will be Jezbel. Oh, we, God. We just want to hear about no, it. Uh, anyways, let me let's, let's uh, finish up. Miniature, up. but like, okay. Well, no, I think if Are you want to come back for miniature, then yeah, absolutely. Oh no! Yeah, I'm joking. Yeah, you show up. I guess. Yeah, please, please don't come on, uh, yeah. Jezebel. If, it, if it like Jacob gives you about the difference between a trash can and a barrel. <laughs> you know? Can we meet Hass and say a huge difference? A trash barrel. <laughs> this isn't crate and barrel. This is a. There's a difference, and even then, it's a barrel. There are different kinds of barrel. There are different trash kinds of trash cans. Are one of those different, different kinds. Different. <laughs> Very different. Right. Uh, you guys argue this. I'll, I'll finish out the episodes. Uh, so, anyways, with that said, new number 14 is five characters in search of an exit. Number one is still Eye of the Beholder. Number 79 <laughs> is a trouble with Templeton. Next episode, since uh, I completely went out of uh, the uh, Wikipedia page, give me one second. Uh, the next episode is season three, episode 15, Quality of Mercy, directed by Buzz Click, uh, written by Rod Sterling. This has Dean Stockwell and Larry Nimoy in it so nanu, that's cool nanu. Nanu, nanu, exactly uh albert uh salami salami uh Ray yeah, albert Barnes. salami yeah salami interesting uh, is that like joe baloney cool. uh sure <laughs> it's just cool that it has D- dean stockwell who i love you know quantum leap as you reference and we reference in many episodes and leonard nimoy uh right before he went to star trek so that's cool yeah yeah another world war ii episodes so hopefully we'll see where it lands because i haven't i don't remember this episode at all so uh but with that said alex thank you for trying to come on and uh put jacob in his place i think you did pretty well but we need you to come on more often to keep doing that for us so uh nice attempt (laughs) (laughs) with that said uh failed (laughs) (laughs) um but with that said, you have you still I'm assuming you still have a YouTube channel and uh, you have good content. So where's that? Where's that located? Oh yeah. My self promo plug. What fun. Um let's see. <laughs> I have a YouTube channel. It's Alex Carson. And I'm going to start posting content again soon. And then I also have an Instagram. It's at I am Alex Laren. I'll I'll tell Nick how to spell it. <laughs> because it's there's like some for it um but also i'd like to also plug um ultra Benaziac, um who does work on channel awesome he has a series that he's been doing for the past few years called twilight tober zone he's going through every episode of the twilight zone and using mark scott security's book to kind of reference oh, nice. off of it he's also done batman where he's covered pretty much every episode of batman the animated series so it's kind of a similar vibe um but yeah if you want more like in-depth you know, I definitely recommend checking that out. That happens every October. Nice. Excellent. And yeah, uh, Alex, I know you did a lot of uh, Twilight Zone content too, which is awesome stuff. I think that's actually yeah. where we kind of, or at least I found you from was all your content on the Twilight Zone. So yeah, definitely check that stuff out because it's really good stuff. And uh, that yeah, fantastic. yeah, yeah, definitely. Triv, when you give me your theater one day soon, no. No. I'll be able to help promote your content. Because uh, you'll see me promoting it from there. But mm-hmm. yeah, sure. for the time being, yeah. where can mm-hmm. that content be found at? Uh, once and always, you can find my stuff, my stuff, in my theater. 
here on YouTube at Trivial Theater. Um, I a few weeks back did a movie called Bloodhook, which was a fun little uh, 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 serial killer movie about a guy that kills uh, with a musky lure. Um, coming up next is a movie called Bloody, uh, sorry, Bloody Muscle uh, Bodybuilder in Hell, which is the really awesome Japanese uh, take on Evil Dead. So uh, definitely a step over. Hopefully by the time this posts, it'll be up. Um, you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Trivial Theater. Jacob. When you're not getting put in your place by Alex and uh, told what to do, uh, <laughs> you have content. You, um, you're. I, I don't know if you're getting ready to post your next uh, video on your. Uh, I can never remember how exactly it's uh, Jacob X Y Retro J X Y Retro. Okay, Retro Jake X Y. I know you're getting ready to do something soon, but the content you have is uh, good stuff. Where's it at? Well, I have two YouTube channels. I have my old channel, Jacob Andrews Reviews, which. There's not much, there's a lot on there, but there's not much new going on there right now, coming soon. But I'm focusing on my other newer channel, RetroJakeXY, where I do mainly video game history documentaries. Uh, my Dreamcast one did very well. Check that out. And I have a new one. The first episode is complete. I'm working on the second episode and uh, I'm going to release it episodic for over the course of four or five weeks, like I did the last one. By the time this comes out, I'm hoping that it will be coming out the Friday after this. But if not, then it will be the following. Depends on a few factors, but yeah, it should be coming soon on something else that I will announce. If this is out and you know what my next video is going to be about, if I've advertised that, then it is coming. If not, well, it'll be a week. Also, that's what she said. That's, if it's uh, out, yeah. you'll know it. I feel like that's... the simple way would be like, whenever, whenever I get it. Back. Yeah. I do that all the time. If it's out, it'll... it's coming. <laughs> I think I said that with my first video. I said, oh, it's coming soon, man, for like six months. That was like three months of uh, <laughs> of jerking our chain. Yeah. Uh, I'm working, no. Our jerk chains. Yeah, it, I'm, <laughs> I'm working faster with this one. <laughs> so, yeah, it's good content. Everybody on this channel who's here currently has great content. Definitely check their channels out. I am currently at Movie Emporium. I posted a lot of videos in the last couple of weeks. Uh, still doing that mission. I think I'm done with Indiana Jones at the point this video posts. Like we're recording this like three weeks in advance. Um, but I'm also doing Mission Impossible with Triv over here. Uh, good stuff. Definitely check that out. Audio feeds, Anchor, oh. SoundCloud, Audio Boom, iTunes, all that good stuff. Rate, subscribe. We need those uh, likes and stuff like that to garner an audience so we can uh, have our cake and sometimes eat it too. But for myself, Alex, Jacob, and Triv, we'll see you guys next time in the Twilight Zone. Peace out, my friend.